Yeah, I appreciate that one hand clap. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I wasn't... I wasn't I'll move on. I'll move on. <laughs> oh, that's going to be great. The soaking. How many people here like to soak? Raise your hand. I really recommend it, man. It's a great thing to do. Uh, we soak a lot on Wednesday nights. In fact, I was thinking about changing our Wednesday night meetings from breakthrough to greenhouse meetings. But everybody would fuss at me because I'm telling you, man, the greenhouse is God's living room. That's what His living room's like. It's a greenhouse. There's an atmosphere that God likes to bring that causes good things to happen in your spirit. Wow, it's pretty powerful, man. Yeah, it's growth. So I love the greenhouse. But anyways, I encourage you to soak uh, wherever you can. I soak at home. Sometimes when I'm in the car, I soak when I'm ahead of schedule or something. I'm waiting on somebody. I have me some soaking music to listen to. So, Amen. Wow, it was so good this morning. I kind of hate to preach, really, honestly. I mean, it's hard to, over, to beat that. I mean, I'm not trying to beat it, but you know what I'm saying. It's sort of sort of like anticlimactic. <laughs> it's the way this feels to me. Like, we done got the juice out of this deal, you know. We got the best. Isn't, wasn't that powerful, man? Thank you, Lord. Yeah, I'm just excited about what the Lord's doing. But I'll go ahead and share this with you. You know what I thought about doing one time? It's just when they record it in first service, just put it on for y'all and... <laughs> People wouldn't appreciate that. I don't do it exactly the same both times. You do it like you feel it, right? All right, so I want to read Revelations 2, 1 and 2. And it says, To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, The one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands, says this. So, um... This is what I really believe, okay? I believe that God is revealing himself to the churches, to the church, to the body of Christ in America right now in a greater way than he ever has. I really believe that. And I believe that, um, I believe we are in a very critical moment. I mean, I'm no end time kind of guy, but I believe we're in a critical moment where God wants to reveal himself in a greater way. And I believe the church is going to get to know the Father the Son, and the Holy Spirit like ever, never before. Because I believe God, we're Trinitarians, right? Yeah. Yeah, right? I mean, there's a couple of people here. I mean, that's what we are. So we really believe in the Godhead. Okay? We believe in every aspect of the Godhead that He wants to reveal to us. And He's really releasing that in a greater way today than ever. I really believe. I, I, you know, He's really been releasing the Father's heart a lot, and I don't think He's going to stop doing that. He's released, you know, revelation of the Spirit, revelation of the Lord Jesus Himself. But there's just a greater revelation that's coming. And one of the ways that God has revealed Himself in the Scriptures is through these letters to these churches. And uh, I've never uh, really thought about it like this, but these letters are just like reading like uh, the letters to 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, 3 Corinthians, <laughs> Right? There's no, there's no third Corinthians. We may write a, write a third Corinthians one day in heaven. But it is the same kind of thing. It's just it's a lot shorter. And instead of, it's, it's uh, the Lord speaking. If you, if you notice, I don't know about you guys. Y'all got, who's got a red letter Bible in here? 
Okay, this is a red letter edition, man. If you look at these letters, they're red letters, right? It means the Lord was saying all this stuff. See this? See all this? These are these letters, and it's all full of red, meaning that's the words of Jesus. So that makes it a little bit unique, okay? And it makes it interesting that it is uh, the, the book of Revelation, which is the last book, which is for... We're, we're, it's the last times that God's trying to release a revelation of Himself to us to beautify us. And, and God's going to have a beautiful church. Uh, and meaning He's going to have beautiful Christians on the earth, walking the earth. So I'm, I'm really big on this thing right here. And, and they're saying, what He does, He writes things to equip us, okay, for the time we're living in. So, so this is like a handbook almost of being equipped for the moment that we're in. And, and, and so God's releasing more of this. Right now, let me tell you, there is an open heaven over the Word. Okay? There really is an open heaven over the Scriptures. Just, I mean, I'm talking reading the Scriptures. You can, get, you can get revelation out of the Scriptures when you're not even thinking about revelation. Okay? When you're just reading the Bible, it's there, available to you. Downloads from heaven. Where God's just, I mean, I mean, I'm reading the Bible and seeing stuff in there, like things connecting there that I haven't seen before, and not even trying to get it. Okay, just in devotional reading, just reading the Word, and God's opening it up like never before. So I really want to encourage you that this is a time, and I made a decision back in December uh, when I was about book, reading the book of Revelations because it said this. It said that you would be blessed if you would read this, if you would hear this, and you would obey this. There's a, and that's the Word. That's... And I, have, I made a decision. You know what? I'm going to receive that blessing. I'm, going to, I'm not going to try to study this book. I'm not going to try to figure this book out. I'm just going to receive the blessing. And it's really been a powerful encouragement in my life personally. And God has just really been speaking so much to me out of it, over the whole book. I mean, I, not just this. I mean, we've heard a lot of messages probably on these, on these churches. Uh, but I believe they're critical messages right now. Um, and so I wanted to just hit on a couple of them this morning. That was my introduction. Y'all good? I'm excited about this, man. I'm excited about what God's doing in the earth. Uh, we're in difficult times in some ways, but we're really in a great time. Really is the word that was given. We're in the best of times and the worst of times. I think spiritually you can be in the best of times in your life if you so desire. I'm telling you. But anyways, in the first... Uh, and I'm a, let me just say this. There are some desperate people out there in the world right now. And even in the church, there are people that are hungry for the Lord. I mean real hungry. I shared for four minutes about the river of the Holy Spirit recently in another church. I mean four minutes. I had numerous people come up at me. Please pray for me. I want what you were talking about. Please pray for me. I'm thinking, I just talked for him. I didn't even, I just read a couple of scriptures. Really, <laughs> is all I did. This is in the Bible, this, the blessedness of it. People are desperate for what God is doing. And I believe if we, we what we got to realize, we're carrying something awesome in us. And as we allow that awesomeness to get released through us, it is going to affect the people, both people in the world and in the, in the body of Christ. There's such a hunger right now. For God, and it's just a blessed thing, I think, that people are hungry and people are getting desperate. And the, and you know, the Lord's using all this that's going on in the world, all the wars and all the uncertainty, to get get our attention. It's like God's alarm clocks going off. Can you hear it? 
It really is going off for the time we're living in. So I'm excited in a good way. But the, first, the thing he told the church at Ephesus is, uh, I have this against you that you've left your first love. I talked to you a little bit about this, but I think we can never say this enough, is this is the foundational thing that we have to be equipped with, is love. You know, everything else is built off of love. This was a tremendous church, and it, in, in, in spite of all that it was doing, it got disconnected from a love relationship, from a, from a real relationship with the Lord. And when it got disconnected, this is, it was so, this is so important to the Lord that He told them, if you're going to be disconnected with a real relationship, with a real love life, then you can't be a church no more. That's a big, big deal, right? I'm going to take this candlestick away from you. That's big because they were doing some big things. It was a very apostolic church. So you see, God really, this thing about the love of the Father, the love of God being released in the earth is really profoundly important right now. And it's not something that we can take lightly or, oh, yeah, I've got the love of God. I understand all that. Don't take that attitude. Take this attitude. I don't have enough of the love of God. I need more of the Father's love. I need more of the revelation of that I'm a child of God. I belong to Him and He loves me and I'm secure in Him. I mean, press into that thing because I believe it's available. Now, one of the things that I've seen is uh, I wanted to read that, that I really see that God's speaking about in context of His love. Now, this is in context of God's love, of the Father's love. It's in John 15. Okay, so what I'm trying to do is I'm, gonna give you, I'm trying to give you some practical applications for, you know, your, the love of God, of not, of, of not forsaking the love of God, of being in the love of God, because this, this, is, this is how God's trying to equip us. This is what Jesus said, John 15, 1 and 2. I'm the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser, or gardener. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit... Now, this is really key for us right now, because this is real... What he's saying, this is a real right now word from God. Every branch of me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. I'm going to ask you a question this morning. Have anybody been experiencing things where God's taking things out of your life? Anybody have that experience? Raise your hand. I want to see it. That's a good day for you. Let me just say that. When God takes something, it's a good day. And let me tell you why it is. Because God never takes anything without giving something else back. The Bible is clear on this. It's a, it's, let me give you the scripture verse. It's Hebrews 10, 9. He takes away the first in order to establish the second. See, what God's trying to do in people's life, there's areas of unfruitfulness in us. There's areas of deadness in us. And God begins, it could be in relation, it could be in any area of your life. But I'm seeing God take things. He has taken some stuff out of my life recently. Okay, and what I begin to see is God was, was saying to me, is Byron, I'm looking for more mature fruit in you. I'm looking for greater fruit in you. So I'm going to remove the deadness that's in you because in the natural, if you have a tree that's got a lot of dead stuff on it, it hinders the live stuff. Have you ever seen that? People who know about trees will go and cut the dead stuff off because the dead stuff is... You see a lot of trees, they're still, the dead stuff is fighting to live. And the tree is trying to throw all this stuff, you know, the sap and stuff that keeps the... the to try to keep that part alive. And, and, and what God does, He don't do that. He just says, that thing is dead, just cut it off and be done with it. So what there is in you, what there is that's alive in you, and you'll see that in one of the churches, actually. Jesus said that, strengthen the things that remain. God wants to bring some strength in people's lives. It's what He's trying to do. But then He, that's good, isn't it? Yeah. I'll tell you this, this is the first thing I learned as a Christian, okay? I, I keep going back to this. The very first thing I learned, because everybody told me this. 
Because when I got saved, God took everything I had away from me. Everything. I wound up, I had an apartment, I had friends, I had this, I had that. You know, this and that's not good things, but... I wound up, I did not have a place to live. I was basically homeless. My sister had mercy on her husband. They let me sleep on their couch. And I had a brown grocery bag. They don't make them anymore. A brown grocery bag where I had all my earthly belongings in them. And part of those earthly belongings was a sheet and a pillow that I would throw on her couch at night and sleep on. Get up in the morning early before they did and stuff it in there, you know, so I wouldn't be obnoxious to them walking down, you know, in the morning. And then my little bit of clothes I had. Uh, but I'll tell you this, this is the great testimony in my life, God taken away. I had a lot of friends that I loved. I still love them today. I wonder about them. Whatever happened to them? I loved them so much. Some of them didn't make it. But I got Becky out of the deal. <laughs> I'm telling you, God takes away to establish. He took me out of a relationship with another girl that wasn't, I mean, I thought it was great, but it wasn't. God gave me something better. So I want to tell you something. If God's taken from you, He's got something better. If you will allow Him to work in your life. Okay, and, and in this time we're living in, we need to allow God to do His work. He, the Father's the vine dresser. He knows what He's doing. We don't know what He's doing. I didn't like it at the time. People kept telling me, Oh, Byron, you've got to know He's got something better for you. He's got, nobody told me it was in the Bible. I still wouldn't have believed it because it didn't feel good. It felt terrible, honestly. But God has proven Himself over and over in my life. When He takes, He gives. He takes to establish. He's wanting to establish it. He doesn't take out of harshness. Anyways, it says, uh, Every branch that bears fruit, He prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. Anybody ex experienced any pruning in their life? In any area, raise your hand. Okay, so you're right in line with what God's doing. God has been pruning. The Father has had the pruning shears out on people's lives. Cutting on them. Don't they feel good? Oh, that hurts. <laughs> but I'm telling you, it's Him. He taught, that's what He said to me. I want more, and, more fruit and more mature fruit in you. I want you to build on what I have done in your life. And the only way you can do that is for me to prune you. And that's what He said. That's what He's doing in your life. It, it doesn't matter what area of your life. It can be in the natural. It can be in relationships. Or it can be in your spiritual life. God prunes you. But there's, he's pruning it to get more fruit. He's pruning it to get more out of you uh, that's good. Um, I saw a vision recently, and, the, and I believe the vision applies to our church, and I believe it applies to, to people in this room. The vision was I saw a house under construction, and the first story was built, and the second story was being built. Okay, I believe, we're that second, I believe that's where we're at right now spiritually. Is I, is we, God has laid a foundation and He's built a first floor. Now the second floor is going up. The house is not finished, but the second floor is going up. That's where we're at. That's where you are. At. And God wants to build on what He's already done in your life. Don't lose, don't lose what God's done in your life. Don't forsake just because you're going through a difficult time. Don't get into a messed up way of thinking, because if you do, you're going to lose the first floor. And God can't build on that if it's, if you've lost it if you if you know if it's gone. Are y'all are y'all getting that? Um, let's read on in John 15. This is all in context of God's love. Okay, I'm not moving away from God. I'm the first love. This is the way this thing works. Because see, our, our Christianity is about relationships. Ultimately, if you don't have a relationship with God, if you don't have a relationship with other people, other believers. There's no, that's, that's a, a false Christianity. It's just not true. There's nothing to that. That's, 
that's an illusion. It's, it's all built off in relationship. And when we lose relationship, we've lost the essence of it. That's, that's really what the Bible teaches. Uh, John 15, verse 14 through 7. See, this is where we're looking at. So the fruit, the pruning's right. If you're being pruned, you're in the right place with God, right? God's doing His work in you, but this is where He wants to bring you. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit, and that your fruit would remain, so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name he may give to you. This, is, this I command you, that you love one another. So I think, this is what I see. Now, I know we've heard this, but God is calling His people into friendship with Him right now. God is looking for friendship with people. Okay? He's, he's looking to have a friendship relationship. Now, He's a little bit different on friendships. Like He says, you're a friend if you do what I tell you to do. See, in the natural, you've got friends. Right? Some of you do. I used to have some. <laughs> the Lord took them all. Now nobody wants to be my friend. I can't tell the friends I got what to do. They'll just look at me and say, get over it. You know? But friendship with God, one of the signs of a true friend is obedience. God's calling us into a place of, of obedience like we've never been before, but He's calling us out of, out of love. It, it's not a negative thing. It's not some, oh, woe is me. It is, it's friendship. It's closeness to Him when He begins to speak to us. Because God is going to reveal His heart. He's looking to reveal His heart. Okay, I'm talking about on a big level. How many want, the, how many want a higher level of revelation? I mean, you want to know some stuff. I believe God has shown me that's what He wants to do. He's looking for people that He can begin to share things with that are big things. Not that you're a big person, but you know big things from God. In other words, you, know, you don't just know stuff about you and your little world or maybe just your family. That's a good thing. But you, get to, you start to know stuff about regional things, about your business, if you're in business, about the, about the state, about the nation, about things going to work. God begins to reveal stuff to you like that. Now, that's pretty, pretty good stuff, right? That, and I'm not talking about being some high-level prophet, okay? I'm talking about a friend of God that God says, I'm going to tell you some secrets because I'm looking for people I want to share those things with. Okay, and he may tell you to do something with her. He may just tell you to pray about them. Just, I want to share. I say, you'll pray with me and, and communicate with me about what's going on in the, in the earth realm because that's really been given to us, the earth realm. We've just been missing it. I really believe this. And I believe uh, the other thing is, it says it right here, that the friends can ask the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus and get what they ask for. He's going to see friends. Only friends can do that. Okay, because here's what the unfriends do. If they unfriend, if you ain't, if you're not really a friend, you're gonna th throw out the formula. Okay, here's the way God. This is a verse in the Bible that it says this. It must happen. That's a formula. That's not built on a relationship. And there's so many Christians whose lives are built on formulas and principles, thinking they can get God, and then God doesn't do what they want to. And guess what they do? Somebody tell me what they do. They get mad at God, like He ain't doing what He's supposed to do. He's gonna do this. And he's saying, no, you don't get it. This is not about principle. I'm not a math book. I'm not a math. This is not math. This is relation. That's why I said relationship. Now, we all have done that, correct? 
I mean, that's not a, that's not a judge. That's just that's just the way we are. It's immaturity, really. And, and God wants to grow us up into hearing His voice. Jesus, this is what Jesus did. The devil came to Jesus and poured a scripture out on him. Hey, Jesus, here's a scripture. What are you going to do about it? And Jesus said, I'm not doing nothing about that scripture because that scripture doesn't really apply in this situation. Here's the scripture that really applies, so you ain't going to get me on it. You hear what I'm saying to you? And a lot of us fall into the trap of the enemy because we try to use We don't have a relationship with God. We don't have a friendship with God. But God is releasing friendship now. That's why I was telling you about the Scriptures. I told you all that, right? There's a revelation in Scripture right now available if you want it. And it ain't something you've got to sit down and study and work hard for. I mean, it's crazy how easy it is. It's, it's stupefying. That's why it feels like, good Lord, how, how did you miss this all these years? It's right here in the Bible. It's remarkable what God's doing right now. But God's looking for people He can do that with. And you and I are available to be his friends. He, in fact, he's saying, I'm calling you friends. I'm calling out. Be my friend. That's a calling on our lives right now. And it's a powerful calling. Uh, here's one of the things that somebody here said to me. I wrote it down. I was diligent to write it down. Just speaking of a revival, who wants to see a revival? Yeah. Uh, come on. For the rest of you, I hope the Lord blesses you all too. <laughs> it says this. People have unnecessary pain and disillusionment in the downside of revival or when revival recedes. Because, now listen, I want you to get this. This is good. Lord bless whoever said it. I'm not sure who said it. Because they thought that revival was mostly about enjoying God's power instead of learning wisdom and growing in humility. Now what happens, y'all get that? This is what happens. God's, a move of God comes, the upscale of it. The power of God's released. Everybody's excited. Everybody's up riding this big wave. We're all on top of the world because we're up here on top of the wave. God's doing stuff. I mean, you can just do stuff and God moves. But the wave doesn't last forever because there's another wave being formed. So that wave comes down and it recedes. That's where humility is required. Number one is you were up there on top one day, the next day you're on, nothing's working. You're, all of a sudden you feel like an idiot, right? Your prayers don't have the juice on them they once had. Suddenly you've been pruned, you've been taken down by God. And you have a choice at that point to humble yourself because God has a download of wisdom that He wants to give people at that point. He wants to give you wisdom about the next wave. Okay? Because the waves will get closer and closer and closer and closer as we move into the end. Closer and closer and closer. And we're going to need a lot of wisdom from heaven to ride those waves because they're all not the same. They're different. Are y'all getting that? And, but, but here's what I see of a lot of people. You can, here's the terrible testimony of a lot of people in this room. You're only passionate from God when you're up on top of the wave. You're not passionate about God when the waves receded. You're disillusioned and disappointed and wandering around, where's God? And that's, that grieves the heart of God. He, you know, here's the way I feel like God is. Okay, Byron, you're having a hard time with this, okay, but you're going to be all right because this is what I'm doing. Won't you get excited about humbling yourself? And won't you get excited about getting some wisdom from me? Because i got something else coming that you don't even see right now. And if you'll just, if you'll just perk up right now and look, lift your eyes to heaven... You're going to find out some things you don't know about now, and they're going to serve you well down the road. 
And I think if we'll take that attitude with God, we can get in revival and we can stay in revival because there's going to come a time, I believe, when we ain't going to feel the, receipt, the recession of it that much. But I'll tell you another thing about revivals is God doesn't care. He doesn't keep us up there all the time because physically and emotionally we can't take it. I mean, I, I, I'm going to tell you you can't take it. I know I can't. I know in the Bible it didn't stay that way. And I know if you study the history of them, because people get fried. Because revival, a move of God, will fry you emotionally and physically. You have to use a lot of... So you, you're going to need wisdom to know how to, to, to stay in revival without it frying you. God, there's all these keys that what God wants to give the church about the move of the Spirit. Because in, because we're going to see more moves of God. We're going to see greater moves of God than we've ever seen before. I'm convinced of it. I mean, my whole life is geared up. That's what my, my whole life is about. I'm geared up for the move of God. I'm, I'm thinking God's going to move. I'm going to be a part of it. But if you don't learn humility, you won't be a part of it because you know how that is. God comes and moves in a new way and you don't like it. And you miss it. Are y'all good? Yeah. So I think right this moment is a good time for us, number one, to humble ourselves. And number two, to get wisdom. Because we've been pruned by the Lord. I mean, I feel like all last fall, God was pruning on the church in America. We had a great move of God in the spring and the summer, but it, the rug got yanked out from under it. Well, the truth is, it didn't stop God from doing it. It just God decided to prune us because he's looking for something even more and greater. But next time, he wants wisdom in it that we didn't have. We're the generation, okay? We are, that can experience this. So we're the ones that need to get the wisdom now so we can live it out and it not destroy our lives. It, it's not good. You know, they've always said revivals destroy churches, they destroy marriages and all that, but that is not God. That's not, it's because people didn't get the wisdom. And God is offering wisdom to us right now. I really believe He is. I'm just going after it with all my heart. Am I belaboring the point? <laughs> get wisdom and grow in humility right now. If you'll do that, you will be set up because when God begins to move in, you'll be already low down on the ground as low as you can get and God will move in your life. Every move of God starts from people humble themselves. Then there's hungry people out there drawing on God right now. So he's going to do something. All right, the next church is Smyrna. Y'all like Smyrna? Is that the way you say that? I said it right. Matthew's daddy is here. He came in here disguised with facial hair. <laughs> he heard about Becky's word last week. I'm just off the subject just for a minute. I promise you I won't tell her. Becky had a word last night for the men with mustaches to come up for prayer. And she didn't really know. And then somebody called her and said, Hey, you know what? The MSM website said, Mustaches are back in. That was just God saying, he's wanting to touch some men. And probably some of the guys that came up, and it wouldn't be the normal guys who would come up and get prayer. You know? So, hey, I'm going to get those guys. I'm going to trick them. So he came here. He heard about it. He grew a mustache <laughs> and a little extra. I'm going to come here and get a touch from the Lord. <laughs> My thought was, if I'd have been a guy here without a mustache, I'd have come up and said, I'm growing one by faith. <laughs> I've started. This is my last day of shaving. I'm started right now. 
How many guys in this room literally have a mustache that wasn't here last night and got, didn't get prayer? Raise your hand. Anybody? Last, last week. Two people. Y'all need to come up today and get your blessing. I'm serious. Because God said mustaches are back in. That means God is saying to you and to you, you're back in. Wherever you were out, you're back in now. He's saying you're in. And for anybody else that don't happen to have a mustache and you feel out, God is saying you're in too. <laughs> He's got you both covered. There's nothing worse to be on the outside looking in. God wants everybody in. Okay, all right, let me do the Smyrna thing. This is the fun one. And then we'll be done. Are y'all good? Yeah. All right, and to the church, and to the angel of the church in Smyrna write, the first and the last, who was dead and has come to life. See, this is so key, what he's saying to them, based on the situation and circumstances they were living at in their life, because they were facing death. And notice how, for people who were facing little death, he was saying, uh, I was dead, but I came back to life. You see how God is? He, he meets you right where... So when God comes, the way He comes is important. He's trying to reveal something to you that is going to have an impact on your life. Okay? The problem is, is a lot of times... See, this sounds so innocuous here and so safe and tame. But the way it happens in the natural is He comes and it's all messy and offensive and ridiculous. You know, and hidden in all that is the wisdom of God saying, I've come to you. I've got something to show you. I've got something. I want to reveal something about myself to you. And if you can work through all that mind stuff, you'll see me like you've never never seen me. Because if I was a guy in Smyrna threatening to be killed, and he said, I, I was alive and dead, I'm going to say, well, but that don't help me none. They're trying to kill me, not you. That would be my natural thinking. Why aren't you saying, I'm going to raise you up if they kill you? Instead of just talking about yourself. That's me. I don't know how you think. Anyways, are y'all good? I know your tribulation or persecution and your poverty, but you are rich. And the blasphemy by those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. So, here's what I want to tell you. I believe the Lord's showing me, okay, about persecution. Is I believe this, I believe persecution is in our future for many people in this room. Okay? In fact, I believe that's going to determine, that's going to tell us the, the people who really are going to press into God are going to be persecuted. That, I mean, it's, it's coming our way. I had this dream. I want to tell you about this dream. This is, boo, this is a terrible dream. I've been having these dreams. They wake me up. They're so intense. And they always seem to wake me up around 5 o'clock in the morning when you don't want to be woken up. It's like, I don't want to think about this. Now, I want to sleep some more. I'm thinking, I'm wondering if the Lord wants me to get up that early and pray. But I'm trying not to think that way. <laughs> I'm really trying to avoid that thought. I'm serious. Like, I don't want to do this, Lord. But I'm telling you, He's been giving me some real intense dreams. I mean, that wake me up. And, and some of them just tear me up. You know? And, and, and some of them are really good. But this one, was, this one tore me up. This is the dream. Me and a friend of mine in this church were in this meeting, and it was a big meeting, and we somehow or another, I don't know, this is the funny part. You know how on TV how these preachers will be and they, on the stage and they'll have a, a row of chairs over here on the side with all their preacher buddies and friends sitting at it? Y'all know that? They have, you know, these are like the, the welcome guests or whatever. I'm not sure. Me and my friend were sitting up here on the stage, and this was a massive meeting. 
And there were all these famous preachers there. And that was the first thing I actually thought. I said, what are we doing here? <laughs> Can we sneak in or something? Anyways, this preacher, and I would say he, to me, at least in my mind, he is the number one apostolic leader in the United States today. That's how much authority and respect this guy has. I'm not going to tell you who he is, because if I told you, you might want to <laughs> bull rush me and throw me out of the church based on what he said to me. It was that intense. He comes up to speak. He was the preacher. And he said, I have to do this. Wait a minute, I have to do this. He walks over to me, walks over to me and stands over me. And I was sitting on the second row. I didn't quite make the first row of preachers. But I was, he stepped around and got in there and stepped around and he said this to me. Satan is using you. That's what he said to me. Satan is you. And I was like, I was just sort of waiting like for him to finish the, you know, finish it and, and encourage me and give me wisdom and instruction about how Satan was using me so I could stop. And, but then he just, he walked off. He went over to my friend and said, Satan is about to use you. Okay? So I'm just sitting there thinking, what in the world was this? I felt so humiliated, so belittled. I felt like trash. I felt worthless sitting there. I mean, there were probably 20,000. I thought, oh, my gosh, I wanted to crawl. If there's a hole there, I would have crawled in it. That's the way I felt. But I was also fighting something greater, like, if that's the truth, Lord, I, I, can't, I can't keep doing what I'm doing. I've got to stop because I can't let Satan use me. And then I began to watch my friend in the dream. And my friend, I, he began to, he got this cowering thing on him. You know what cowering is? You know, like you get after a little dog or something, they'll go. I saw it come on him, and he started going over, messing around, doing something that was ridiculous for him to do, I thought. I thought, this is terrible. This man, you know, I realized this about my friend. That's, there's this thought in his life about his spiritual life. That there's this feeling that he don't, there's something down in him where he doesn't feel like he measures up spiritually. And it's something that the enemy is, is, is telling him. And it causes him to pull away from what God wants for his life. And he's not going to be happy if he don't really, if he, if he keeps listening to that voice. Okay? Well, that was the last thing I heard in the dream. I'm going to go back to me now. I woke up, man, I was just like, you know, just sweating. Oh, gosh. I was supposed to preach that morning. It was on a Sunday. I'm not going to preach if I'm just Satan. I'm quitting. I can't do this. I mean, these are all the thoughts going through my mind. I can't do this if Satan's using me. God, you've got to talk to me. And then he spoke to me. He said, Byron, how'd that make you feel? I said, it made me feel worthless. He says, have I ever made you feel worthless? That is not me. That's not me. It was the enemy coming disguised in my dream like this very tremendous apostolic leader speaking to me. That was persecution because what it wanted to do, it wanted to make me stop. And only when God told me that He don't speak worthlessness to His people. He may admonish us and we may feel like, ooh, you know, but it ain't going to stay that way. Life is going to come. Because when God admonishes, I promise you this, most parents, when they're not mad, when they're really disciplined, even when they, their emotions get out a little bit out, they're doing it because of love. There's a love in them. There's a passion in them. I don't spank my grandkids 
because I feel like my kids need to do that. But I do admonish them when they need it. And they're in my house and they get disobedient. I'll speak to them. All right, there's a time out. You go sit in it. You're not going to be disrespectful. But I don't do it because I'm mad at them. I do it because I love them and I care about them. And they know that I love them. They may cry and carry on because they didn't get their own way a bit, but eventually they come around and realize they're loved. And that's really how, that's really how God really wants to speak to us. It's through love. But I'm going to tell you, the enemy wants to shut people down. The enemy wants to cower you. And, he wants, and, because, and then you'll go off and you'll start doing other things that you shouldn't do because you've stopped doing what God called you to do. Because, and that's how persecution works. It's meant to stop. Now, this is not persecution like people who live in North Korea. They're going to die. Over, I'm not talking about that. We may come to that place. But right now, what I'm telling you this year, the enemy wants to shut you down. He wants to intimidate you. He wants to tell you you're worthless. He wants to tell you some of the pruning that you've gone through in your life is because you've been a bad person. You've been too materialistic. You haven't loved him. He wants to tell you stuff like that, and you've got to stop. You've got to stand up and resist it because if you listen, it's going to lead you astray, and it's going to take you out of God's plan for your life, his perfect plan for your life. Are y'all hearing that? And that's really what Jesus was trying to encourage these people for. You've got to st- See, God has given us all something to overcome. You're going to have to overcome those feelings. And you have to overcome those lies that are being thrown. No matter how they come, you can learn to determine to hear the presence of the Lord in it. And you'll know it. So in some ways, I'm glad that the Lord's rebuked me in the past. <clears throat> but I wasn't glad when he was doing it. But I was glad because I understood the, the ways of God. So when the lie comes, that's a lie. You've heard the statement uh, back when money was, you know, the way can, tellers who can tell a counterfeit bill is by feel because they feel the real so much. They actually they can tell a, a fake, fake one when it, without even looking at it. Now, people in, in, in convenience stores can't. So when you know the real, when the fake comes, you automatically there's something that doesn't set real with you about it. That ain't God. I, I feel that one. You don't have to look. I, that obviously ain't God. You may have to work through it. You may sweat a few bullets like I was a couple few weeks ago. But let me just give you two examples, and I'm about to done, and I'm one more scripture. God, the Lord showed me in scripture. One was in Acts 10. This is turning point. See, that's what God's going to do. There's going to be turning points that are going to come in our lives. In Acts 10, there was a major turning point, and the turning point was this. Peter went to Cornelius' house and preached the gospel to the Gentiles for the first time. And they got saved, and they got filled with the Spirit. Okay? That experience happened because of a revelation. And then he obeyed the revelation, went to the house, preached the gospel. Everything changed in the Bible from that point, but Peter caught hell for doing it. Do you see what I'm saying? God's going to release divine revelation. This is what I'm telling you. The pattern that I see that God's doing, is wanting to do, already doing, he's going to give divine revelation. We're going to respond to him as friends. And then we're going to do what he said to do. And it's, a turning, it's going to be a turning point in our life. It's going to be a turning point in the people's life that we're, whatever we're doing. But then there's trouble coming. The enemy's going to be waiting on us because he's not going to be happy and he's going to try to back us down. Same thing happened in Jesus' life. If you study Jesus' life, his ministry was going up, 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 up. Everybody loved Jesus. Now, you had the whole religious crowd, but they were back in the back just amongst themselves grumbling and complaining about Jesus. This happened all the way up to the Mount of Transfiguration. 
He goes up on the Mount of Transfiguration. This is something funny, I thought. He has two dead people appear to him. Okay? Think about this. This is crazy. I was thinking about this recently. If I'd have been Jesus, I would have said, Hey! The Old Testament says you can't have God talk to dead people. These guys can't be here. Isn't that the way we are with God? I mean, serious. So, I just thought that was crazy. Now, I admit that you ain't supposed to go to some person to get to bring the dead up, but if God wants to bring a dead person to you, it's in the Bible. <laughs> People are going to have these kind of experiences with the Lord. I might be in trouble for what I just said. <laughs> I had an experience with the Lord when I'll tell you this. A friend of mine I worked with loved him to death, and he died. Okay? He came to me in a dream one time. I said, John, what are you doing here? He was jogging. He was in perfect health. He looked like a, he was a beautiful man in this dream. He wasn't so beautiful. He was ugly and old. What are you doing here, John? He said, somebody's about to die. And then he ran off, running. I thought, oh, no, somebody's going to die. And it turned out, a friend of mine called me, said, I had this dream about Becky. The enemy's going to try to kill her. And I thought, oh, no. I made a mistake and told Becky. <laughs> Don't tell somebody that. <laughs> Don't tell somebody that. It'll mess up. She got something. Her, her, her sister, I don't, I don't remember exactly. Her sister was somehow like, I told her, of course, she fell apart and got scared. You know, of course she would. You know, I'm fixing to die. The devil's, the Lord's confirmed it two times through two separate people. But really all the Lord was doing is the enemy was going to try to kill my wife. He was telling me in the dream, pray for her. Pray to break the enemy's plan. He didn't, it wasn't God's will. But that was a dead person that told me part of the thing. He just told me part of it, and then my friend had another dream. He told me the rest of it. Uh, so anyways, back to the subject. I'm just saying God wants people to have experiences with him. Uh, and that's the reason why I like to talk about the experiences I have with God, although they, these are low-level experiences, I'll admit. Okay? But I'm telling you, God wants to prepare us for experiences that are powerful, that are going to be turning points in our life. Okay? Now, you can believe that stuff or not. I don't care. I believe in it. And, I'm, and I believe God is bringing the church into what Paul said, I will go on to visions and revelations in the Lord. That's where God's trying to bring us. I will go on. That's, that should be our motto. I will go on. I'm, my motto, I'm going on. I'm going to have more revelation. I'm going to have more dreams. I don't care how bad it messes me up at the moment because some of it can be kind of, you know, a little disheartening, you know, scares you. But anyways, back to the Mount of Transfiguration. Studying Jesus' life, his whole ministry went up, 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 okay? Then he has this profound experience on top of this mountain, Okay? And you study it. From that point on, it went down the tubes. From that point on, people started rising up against Jesus. That's when the Sadducees and Pharisees started going public with their hatred for him. And people started leaving him. He had, gathered, he had huge crowds for him. From that point, the crowds began to get diminished. Okay? It, because it was a turning point. But if you go back, Peter said later, that was the most profound experience in his life. And he, and he uses that, that experience to, to verify the Scripture that he was writing. 
That's what he does. He uses that one experience to verify, I heard that voice on that hill. I heard it. It's powerful. It's a powerful experience he had that really impacted his life. God wants to impact people's lives. Okay, but we have to realize something. When we have these kind of experiences, encounters with the Lord that are really high level, more high level than what we're having right this moment, I'm going for the higher level ones. You've got to realize in front of you is resistance. In front of you is something that's going to look at you and say, no, you're Satan. Okay? And, and people could accuse you of terrible things that are not true. And you're going to have to make a decision in that moment about where you're going with this thing. Because you're going to feel resistance. People are going to think you're stupid. They're going to think you're, you know, you're not really in alignment with the Word of God and all that. But I'm here to tell you, we ain't got nowhere near what the Bible says happens to people. I mean, we haven't even gotten near it. And we've believed a lie about these things. This is our inheritance as Christians. If you really read the Bible, this is us. It belongs to us. The spiritual realm does. And I'm just believing in this and believing that God wants to release it more and more. And the way I look at it is this. When whatever little thing God does in my life, I'm going after. Because I believe that opens the door for something bigger and something more. And God's releasing these, these real intense dreams to me that, right now because God wants to reveal His world to us and He wants to reveal what's going on in this world. Those are like keys that He wants to give us. Keys to the kingdom. We're sons and daughters of the kingdom, not of the world. And we have a right to access what, what's happening in the kingdom. You know, God may have to make some adjustments, but we still have that right. Y'all should be excited about that. Matthew 5, 10 through 12. I'll finish, and then we're going to... Matthew up here. It says, Blessed are those who... For the sake of righteousness... For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, I want you to hear what he's saying here. He's saying this. He's saying, because of the reality of the kingdom of heaven in your life, you are going to suffer persecution. Okay? He's not saying you go do something and you're going to suffer persecution. He's saying because of the, of the real experience of God's kingdom of the heavenly kingdom, of, of the heavenly realm in your life, it is going to cause you persecution. It's going to cause you difficulties. Do you all understand that? It's not like we go do something to try to get something that's going to happen. No, it's because we're experiencing something that's greater than this world. And because of that, it brings the difficulties. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. That's going to happen. People are going to say evil things. They're going to say things that's wrong about you. And the, a lot of times these people are going to be people who matter. And we have to make a choice at that moment. It's going to be people in the church. It's going to be other Christians. It could be people that we love, family members, all that. We have to make a choice at that time. That's what we have to overcome. We have to overcome backing down from what God's doing. And I'm not saying, I mean, it's easy to sit here and talk about it. In that dream, it was very intensely difficult for me to deal with that. And it was intensely difficult for me the first 30 minutes after I got up to, to figure out this deal. You know, gosh, Lord, what am I going to do? I mean, my whole life was fixing to change. 
You know, I mean, I'm going to get a new job here because I'm not doing this no more because Satan's talking through me. That's a pretty, in, pretty intense thing. Uh, then he says, Rejoice and be glad for your reward in heaven is great. In heaven there's a reward for overcomers. We don't always experience it here, but it, we do experience some things here that are really good too. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were, who were before you. That's just the way it is in the Bible. If we're going to be radical, if we're going to go after, we're going to really go after the, the Holy Spirit. We're going to really go after the heavenly realm. We're really going to go after the thing. We're going to not just play this thing. We're not going to just be false Christians. We're not going to be facades. We're going to really go at it. There's going to be persecution that comes. I believe that with all my heart. And I believe it's on the horizon. I believe it's going to be in our face. But I'm telling you, we've got to go after it because that's the only way we're designed to live. And however that means for you. So 